the Save Room, your safe haven for gaming news and discussion. My name is Kevin. And my name is Daniel. And this is episode 87. How are you doing? I am surviving, you know? How was your week? <laughs> this is a, a very changed week. A week oh. I've never quite experienced before. Unprecedented times. We live in <laughs> rarefied air. Actually, corrupted air. Yeah. This is all bottled <laughs> air that I bought off yeah. of Amazon. Yeah. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. I couldn't get the bottles. <laughs> Daniel, what has the um, condition been like in the last week? Uh, we live in, if you don't know, humble, lovely viewers, we live in the Pacific Northwest, particularly mm-hmm. south of Seattle in the great old Washington state where I found out recently that a lot of the Bigfoot myth comes from. Yeah. It's a big Bigfoot population yeah. out here. in the Oregon area a little yeah. bit there, too. He roams. He roams. He's she, got big feet. Yeah, big right. feet like that. You're going around, right? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so well, what's been the condition on the scene? Um, Kevin, it's threat level midnight out here. Um, oh, wow, there's high. no toilet paper in any Walmart, Costco, no or Rite Aid. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Where's the TP going? <laughs> uh, again, Amazon. They're, they're selling it. Let me ask you a question. Did we run out of facial tissues to wipe your face so people are worried and that's why they're getting butt tissues? I have no idea why they're doing Because people just go into panic mode. I'm sorry. Does COVID-19 somehow correlate to a bowel syndrome of some sort or diarrhea? What are we talking about here? For, from my recollection, it's been people dying of flu-like symptoms, not shitting themselves not gotcha. food poisoning so we're stocking this isn't up, Ebola. we're stocking up on fucking pallets of tp we went yeah. to the fucking fred meyer today which i don't recommend doing ever again mm-hmm. uh our local grocer uh we went to the fred meyer and we went to the the shelf actually we, we saved it for last because we knew the stories we heard the stories people were you know going like there's no toilet paper anymore man there's none we're at the starbucks earlier today and we're just like where do we look for to- toilet paper my idea was a right aid mm-hmm. the right aid and woman comes up and goes oh no you don't want to go to the right aid she's like you want to go to the the cash and carry down on fucking federal way and, and highway 320 and i'm like i don't want to go could not picture that. what she was talking yeah. about <laughs> i was like uh nope i have no <laughs> idea nope. what she was saying the but... reason they have it is because people are afraid to go there but the fred meyer lo and behold empty shelves empty yeah. goddamn shelves just like I... you've been seeing on your social media feeds friends yeah, yeah. you think it's overblown and, and a lot of it is a lot of it is just mm-hmm. crazy pandemonium and i get it i get it these are end times we've never seen it I've lived through hurricanes. I've lived through many natural disaster mm-hmm. before in my life on the East Coast, but I've never lived through what feels like a pandemic. Yeah. You know, maybe it happened back in the in the SARS days, or maybe back during like the you know the the swine flu. But I, I've never been in the moment with the the panic quite like I have this past week. And it's weird. It's eerie. You walk around, people have face masks. The city's dead. Pike Market. All of our tourism is gone. All of our tourism. They're thinking gone. of shutting down Disney World, Kevin. I think they did already. Disneyland. Fuck. I know it's getting pretty serious, dude. Yeah, they, um, they canceled like a lot of events like upcoming in the in the rest of the year. Actually, uh, on a serious note, the thing that really fucked me up is mm-hmm. when I, uh, you know, I, I got up and looked at the newsfeed and saw that. So Tom Douglas, who's like a famous chef that owns about thirteen different restaurants in the Greater Seattle area, yeah. shut all thirteen down. Wow. Told his employees of which there were 800, to file for unemployment. And, Mm -hmm. hey, I promise I'll hire you back after, like, you know, two months from now. Yeah. We'll reassess the situation, which is crazy. So, like, industries are getting rocked. Commerce is getting rocked. Yeah. Uh, The banks are getting, like, fucking payouts and loans. We're on the verge of a lockdown. The airlines are getting fucking uh, payouts. Yeah, it's it's pretty, it's it's Uh, a little International travel has been banned. Oh, yep, yep. That's an update right there, too. And, I mean, we talked about it last week. We're officially work from home 
tentative to we don't even know what date anymore. Right. Uh, crazy shit is happening. And I, the way companies are responding to it is like, I both admire them, but I just like, makes you wonder, you know, the, the sort of aid and assistance they could have been giving us all along, you know? Mm. Like AT&T removing their data caps? Yep. Which uh, were apparently artificial mm-hmm. and not based off of any throttling or bandwidth issues. Nope. Yeah, it, it, it's funny. It took a crisis for us to really mm-hmm. surface how much of a modern day uh, is bullshit, just lies yeah. to make more money off of mm-hmm. you. How it's ridiculous times, dude. Did you hear the story about the kid in a in an mm. I think in an elementary school, maybe a high school? He was selling hand sanitizer. Oh, and he was, he was like, selling for, like, what, 20, 20 a pop yeah. or something like yeah, that? Yeah. And he got in trouble? And it was just like, that's what healthcare is doing already, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He got, I think he got uh, suspended for a little bit, and then he used the money that he earned from this illicit sanitizer to buy uh, kebabs. Kebabs? Yeah. You, it was somewhere in Europe. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, wow, that's a very specific goal. Yeah, kebabs. Kebabs. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I like kebabs. But but otherwise, it's it's a weird uh, weird climate right now, you know, to think that, like, movies are getting delayed. I would buy hot dogs. You would? I would buy Hawaiian-style hot dogs, oh. like the one in the, the Seattle... Sh- oh, he's not going to be here anymore. Fuck. No, no. Fuck. There's a little corner uh, hot dog truck that would blast some music, and you get yourself some... Like, they had, like, a Philly cheesecake-style hot dog that was ridiculous. Ooh. Oh, it was so good. No more hot dogs in this America, dude. No more hot dogs. But no, no, really, like, I think think there's a right level of response. Mm -hmm. It it isn't going absolutely batshit crazy. And it's also understanding that the impact of your own actions, for instance, buying up an entire fucking pallet of Clorox wipes or toilet paper is actually, you have this um, adverse effect. The potential of somebody else who really needs them, somebody who's sick, not getting those supplies, yeah. and then just not being able to protect themselves or even others because they can't even wash their hands because you you fucking hoarded it, you goddamn asshole. I get it. There is fear that like the world might come to a, a crawling halt for like a sure. little bit, a little bit. Valid fear. Yeah, and we've never had to really prepare for anything mm-hmm. like that. Like so the people, shit we see in movies. People are freaking out. People are freaking out. I get like, that. It's I the get Walking that. Dead, and we're like, no, 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 no. But cooler heads prevail. It exactly. is scary time. Yeah. But cooler heads prevail. So I just want to, you know, I want to put my heart out there and be like, but dudes, be mindful of what you're doing right he, now. Here's the thing. You also got to look at, like, where, where China's at now. Like, they've mm-hmm. completely curved it. Like, they, they've gotten, like, um, outbreak cases down to the lowest low. Like, they're almost, like, clear. Right. They, they actually shut down one of the last, like, or one of the first ad hoc hospitals mm-hmm. that they set up. So yeah. that's, like, a big win for them. So, yeah, that's Actually, that's I thought huge. they had shut down, like, 90% of them. Like, they, they've made a lot of progress. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. But they just got to do it. Meanwhile, we're out here being a little bad backwards about um giving out vaccines right i don't take responsibility (laughs) that dude from the cdc got put on blast cdc put on blast oh uh, robert redfield yo you're a redfield (laughs) you should know how to handle an outbreak what is happening he's with blue umbrella he's with (laughs) motherfucker (laughs) um otherwise i'm going a little stir crazy been home non-stop for like the last nine days he's real pale too he's really pale i can't even i can see through his skin it's crazy i go to the mailbox just cuz now just Just to to feel the sun (laughs) like like an old man does who after his wife has passed like many years ago he's like i got nothing else but i go down to the mailbox (laughs) i stare at the water (laughs) is that what you do daniel that's That's what i do i've had a lot of time for gaming i'll give it that like there's been a lot there we go for games we got to the green <laughs> you know like uh if, if there's anything uh, uh, a statewide lockdown will do for you it's it's video games we've been, we've been going really hard on so world war z was on sale on ps10 mm-hmm. and i think it still is until like the 18th i believe so yeah yeah and we're, we're gonna talk about the two games yeah. real quick just because we're probably not it's gonna do games. a save room plays yeah, yeah we're yeah, just yeah. gonna get in and I'm out tired yeah <laughs> tired boys tired boys 
And we got a shorter news episode otherwise. Are, do you feel weakened? No, no, I feel strong because I've been okay. going to the gym. That's true. Because you always got to tell me I got to prepare for the fight ahead. You got to prepare for the fight ahead, man. We got to prepare for the fight. In fact, that's why we're playing World War Z, right? Because like we're preparing for that. Like It's a simulation yeah. of that. But instead of zombies, mm-hmm. it's going to be soccer moms that are coming for your mm-hmm. TP. There you go. <laughs> and you got to keep them back. You got to have make sure you got the razor wire. You got to make sure. You got the electrified <laughs> traps. Electrified and the, traps. The machine guns. Always be, automated and Always be near ammo. You know? <laughs> ABA, dude. Yeah, no, the game's great. It's like the best Left 4 Dead that isn't Left 4 Dead that I've ever played. I mean, one game got close. Dead Island. Dead Island got close to Left 4 Dead? Yep. I don't know. I disagree, sir. It was the only game really to try in the wake of it, you know, in terms of like four person, like level based. I got you. The co-op was there. The the blasting up Mm -hmm. or cutting up zombies was great. That was a little more brawler, really. This one actually really does feel like, ooh, you were getting a rushed by zombies kind of feel. I've actually never seen the level of zombies and like thrill that you quite get from a game like this. Days Gone came close. With the Days hordes. Gone came close, you're right. I almost wish there was like a multiplayer component to Days Gone, because it would be cool to take out 500 to 1,000 zombies in a horde. I'd be your boomer. You'd be my boomer. Be I mean, boomer. realistically, you probably take out to like 2,000 zombies a match. That's a yeah, lot. Yeah, that's, that's a lot, a lot of, of fucking zombies. So the way it's broken up, it's like, so it's based off of what, Mark's Brook, uh, is his name? Max, Max Brooks. Brooks. Max, Max Brooks. Brooks is World War Z, and it takes place in different corners and of the world. And it's also somewhat based off of the film. Yeah, because... but Brad Pitt's not in it. He's not in it, but zombies don't run in the novel, but they run like crazy. Oh, they run like hell. They, ooh. They, they run like they're trying to get to the fucking Costco for toilet paper. They, <laughs> <laughs> they got somewhere to be. It's like four episodes based off of different sections of the world. And that it kind of takes that left right approach where it's like they were... New York. There were stories Moscow. based around, like, you know, scenarios. And it kind of yes. does that same thing where yes. it's like, okay, you go to New York, you have to fucking survive with a group of people. Same with Tokyo, Jerusalem. It's awesome. It's so cool. You know what I love about it the most? It gets shooting right. It's... it's it's a third-person shooter, and it feels very good. It's not division level of good, but it's good. <sighs> okay. <laughs> it's not, because there's no like um, cover system, really. You don't need that cover system. What are you going to do? You're going to hide from zombies? They can sniff your fucking blood. But imagine if you had it. I wouldn't use it. Mm. You got a duck feature, and you I figured out feature. why you need the duck feature, because there's friendly fire. There is friendly there fire. There is friendly fire. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've, I've been having a blasty blast. I'm surprised. That, right? Like I saw, it might have been kind of funny. Might have been somebody doing a Let's Play of it. And I was it was like, kind of funny. I was like, wow, this game looks hot. Yeah. And I don't think I would have gotten it at 40 bucks. It was worth 40 bucks. 13 bucks? Yeah. That's a sweet price. Yeah, but it's it was worth 14 bucks, man. Yeah. Let me tell you what. what. I'm having a blasty blast with okay. it. Okay. Saber Interactive, they got bought up by THQ Nordic for 150 mil, my friend. That's a, they saw this oof. game and they're like, holy shit. That's like this some is the Sony hotness. to Insomniac money. I guess. <laughs> Wait, how much did they pay for Insomniac? It was a couple million. It was a couple mil. Yeah, it was like yeah they mil. paid money for that. Studio. They get four mil. <laughs> I think it was like seven or more. Here's six mil. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually curious. All right, we're doing a fact check live on air. How much did Sony pay money for Insomniac? For Insomniac. Oh Jesus Christ! How much? <laughs> Take a guess. Uh, two hundred fifty million. Twenty-four thousand eight hundred ninety-five million yen. Or around two hundred twenty-nine million American dollars. I was damn close. That's a lot. Two hundred twenty-nine mil USD. Wow. Yeah. Wow. The yeah. price is right. Yeah. You see that? Fuck you, uh, Saber Interactive. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real payday. Where's your ratchet and clank, huh? Yeah. Huh? They'll get it eventually. Yeah. So we had a lot, a lot of fun. In this I, game. What's What's the other game that we were playing? Uh, I on a whim. <laughs> <laughs> downloaded what became of edith finch which uh where'd had... this whim come from okay 
Well, I went to go download World War Z, right? Yeah. For my uh, purchase library, thanks to uh, Sony Plus. What is it, PlayStation Plus it's called? PlayStation and, Plus. And Sony they were right Plus. next to each other in the alphabet. World War Z, what became? And I'm like, oh shit, I should download that. Because I, I got it from uh, PlayStation Plus back in May of 2019. That's how long I've been sitting with this game. He checked. He and checked I was like, all right, I got off of work. It was my Friday. And I was like, let me play a quick game. I thought I was going to sit down with it for an hour because I was expecting like something quick like Gone Home or Virginia. And I was like locked into this game for like a solid three hours. Wow. Like I was really, really shocked and taken away by the whole narrative experience. Of I walked in and he was in rapture and I was like, what's going on here? So I sat down and I watched a bit of it and I was like, oh, wow, this is really neat. This is really cool. I walked in on the uh, the Barbara part. Yes. Right. The Barbara part, which does a really cool thing where the, the whole game's first person. But this element is like it plays out like it's a comic book. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to describe because I've never seen a video game do it, maybe except for Comic Zone. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Remember where it plays out like a comic book and some of the panels you end up playing Mm -hmm. but it's scene transitions are all comic book but the game doesn't do that for the duration it actually i don't know how do you describe this you're 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 closer to it you're closer i mean i think we both want want the same level of hard we both have 100 of the trophy 100 of that Um, so it's it's an indie game by sparrow games and they've done such games as, what, The Unfinished Swan. Which is really good. And In a fact, few others. There's one part of the game that's such a hard callback, mm-hmm. and I didn't know it was them that did it, mm-hmm. that I was like, oh, God, look, this, this must, I don't know, this must be the same studio, and it was. So, like, I thought it was just your standard, like, walking sim adventure game where you explore it's this derogatory. house. It's like, you know, derogatory. It's derogatory to I call know. games like Listen. that. you got to call them... Walking narrative, adventures. walking narrative adventure, interactive medium. And you got to call them foot literature. So I thought it was going to be me just walking around a house, like looking at like things and piecing together history. And it starts to be that, and it's just cool the way the story unfolds because you get a lot of internal dialogue from Edith that pops on the screen in weird, interesting word wrappy ways that you can interact with that kind of pop out of the environment. And you go back to her old childhood house that she very abruptly left from and you the reason why in the pnw by in the, the way. pnw oh yeah the, the whole setting and like the it's like set in the orcas islands puget yeah. sound area yeah i love seeing the little puget sound yep. uh pamphlet that you're reading on the ferry in the begin- beginning of the game it's super pnw and it's just really neat because you see all these things little things that are just set dressings for the world that become more and more as you learn more about the characters because you're working your way through what happened to this family the the finch family they're they're visited by what you consider a curse and it affects like every 20 or so members in this family and there's a lot of finches and you basically go through this house and you visit their rooms and you learn their stories and you learn how they died and each character died in very unique ways and that uniqueness is lent to by the gameplay segments that that they decide to take for each one like the comic book or you know the ones with molly or the where you take molly yeah and and play the game yeah <laughs> drop a little e boots and pants and boots and pants what became of edith Fitch. <laughs> no no we can't be doing that no no, no. sorry 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 yeah, yeah. oh we got demonetized but it it starts off being really entrancing like you, you look through the rooms at first they're all sealed up the mom's like we got to seal all these rooms we got to contain the curse and like it's just really weird and eerie and there's something captivating about it in each segment that plays out it gets more and more intriguing i will say even <laughs> Even though it's eerie, it's not a horror game because there's like a whimsy to it that almost feels like a Brothers Grimm story. Some of it feels like horror. Some of it, yeah, yeah. leans pretty hard on the horror element. Yeah, because uh, okay. there are like elements of like but, drug abuse and yeah. suicide and just yeah, there, sudden yeah, tragedy. Yeah, stuff like that, but I, I couldn't say it's a horror because it's actually a really kind of a hopeful mm-hmm. game. 
And there's something very sweet about mm-hmm. it. Like there's, you know what it is? There's a lot of sentiment behind mm-hmm. these stories, even though they all come into a bad end. Edith herself has like a takeaway for each that's so impactful. Yeah. She's just like, well, she kind of sees like the light side of like the way that these people died kind of symbolized mm-hmm. who they were. Which is such an interesting thing. Well, like, she never got the full scope of it because her mother, who lived through a lot of, like, those surrounding deaths, like, tried to push it away from her daughter. And she would only hear stories about what happens to these people from her grandmother, Edie. And she hears them in very fantastical ways. And she kind of lives them out in these very, like, trippy... Uh, vignettes basically yeah yeah and it's very like psychedelic at times the way you kind of get transported into their worlds and it was that first like gameplay segment as molly where i'm like what is this game yeah like what the fuck is it It, it's (laughs) it's such a it's a really beautiful really Mm -hmm. interesting game that i think just takes it the next mile i I think i was floored by gone home Mm -hmm. but it uses gone home as like kind of a foundation to springboard off of and do really really interesting Mm -hmm. things and i'm like i i'm kind of like am i playing a video game still like i I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm playing a story. I'm a part yeah. of a very interactive, very... Because um, it is like a linear story, but mm. it's just... It's such a ride to go on. Such a good ride, too. Well, it's also because, like, you're not going through a normal house. You're going through this house that, like, one of the forefathers of the family built, like, a hundred years ago after the other house, like, got destroyed in, like, a flood. Uh, I forget what it was. No, no, no. It was, um, so, let me tell you. So, Odin Finch, Mm -hmm. he came from the old world, Mm -hmm. uh, and he decided to float his house on the ocean to bring it to the new world, but... Uh, a big old hundred foot wave took it out. That's what. And it so was. they built a brand new house. Actually, he died. <laughs> yeah, he died. And it was uh, Edie, mm-hmm. the grandmother, with her husband. Mm-hmm. I forget his name. Sven. Sven. Yeah. Thank you, Sven. And they built this crazy house. But Sven was like obsessed with like doing like secret compartments and stuff. He was mm-hmm. basically. Um, George Trevor from Resident Evil yeah. building the Spencer estate. He's just like, everything needs to be a puzzle and fucking hidden doors. You're like, stuff. you open a book and you like kind of go through the pages of it. It's a pop-up book. And the last page is like a fucking handle that opens a secret compartment that leads you into like this, just unwinding different passage of the house. And like, that's how you progress through it. Like you wrap around it in such an interesting way. And you're like, where am I? And it's just like, each moment is so fascinating from one to the next because it takes you on this very visual journey throughout right. the house. There's so much visual storytelling. Yeah. Like each room oh, is man. like almost imprinted with the person that lived there. Imprinted. You feel like you're walking into like you talk about like such Sa- an atmosphere. Sam's room. Yeah. Where he like lives. It's like the first loft type room. Like on the second. I wanted story. to be in that. I wanted and, to like, actually live in that room. He was I a, want that Daniel. He was a hunter and a military man. And there's like a bear rug and like all these guns and it yeah, feels yeah. very like. Yeah. Uh, memorialized for for the sort of person he was. It's it's really really crazy. I, I like the last set of rooms the best actually. Mm. Like when you talk about the unfinished Swan Room, where it's like an artist lived here and there's like paint on it and his stories. Like you're literally flipping through like a flip book. Uh, that was really fucking yeah. cool. That was that was Milton, right? That was Milton. Yeah, that was god damn it. Yeah. Such a good game. I'm angry how good it is. And some of the characters, there's a mystery that progresses with you through the game and stays with you after. Because some characters, I still don't even really know how they died. Huh? Like some of it's pretty blatant, like you know, like certain characters kill themselves. But it's it's the nature of stories, That's right? True. That's the nature of stories where it's like, well, this speaks more to who this person was rather mm-hmm. than like maybe the reality of That's it. True. That, it's such a good fucking. I don't want to spoil too much in, in case anybody yeah. wants to grab that shit. Yeah, um, I don't know how much it normally is. We got it for free, luckily. Yeah, uh, thank it. you, Sony. I it deserves to be a hundred dollars. They fucking deserve a hundred dollars each time somebody plays it. It they do. That's law. Fucking who is it? Gamer law. THQ Nordic should buy out 
uh, Giant Sparrow for like at least seven million. I would, yeah. Well, that's their value, but yeah. I would hate if THQ Nordic <laughs> fucking yeah. bought them up and did nothing with them. That's they, all they do, dude. They buy everybody else. Uh, I want to say one last thing. This felt like a game, like Heavy Rain, where like I beat it and then I immediately wanted to watch you play it because I wanted to see your reaction. To yeah, you came things. in and sat down because it, it's that special of a game where right. like I was just like. I was floored by what I had just seen, and I knew if, like, you were anything like me, you're enjoying it on the same level. So I was like, all right, let me watch it. And I kind of peek over every once in a while and see, like, yeah. the way you were, like, reacting to shit. And, yeah, that's that's the mark of a good game. It's it's an amazing story. Regardless if you uh. could play it, it's a, it's a beautiful, really amazing story. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. High recommendations there, my friend. Mm-hmm. Sir, let's get into this news shit, sure. right? Let's get into this news thing. But let's first of all, I don't think the kids know who we really are. Who we really are. On our oh, inside place. 20 minutes and they don't know who we are? Yeah, what they, remains of the idea. save room? They've got an idea. Okay, okay. Well, if you didn't know, the save room is the only video game podcast brought to you by Social Distancing, <laughs> the gamer sport. You can find us on SoundCloud.com slash The Save Room Show or Spotify or iTunes or Google Play and even Stitcher plus RSS feeds mm-hmm. across the interwebs. Yeah, okay? we're in full stock there. You don't got to worry about us running out during the apocalypse. We're still here. Yeah, and you can definitely wipe your ass with us. <laughs> Jeez. Um, if you wanted to, because of social distancing, you're not seeing a lot of people in your life, you could find our beautiful faces over at Twitch. Kevin at twitch.tv slash the red herb. Hmm. And me at twitch.tv slash dungeons and daniels. Hmm. And uh, yeah, we got our schedules about us. Kevin's what? Monday, Friday, Saturday, us. Sunday. Four days a week, this stream boy is. That doesn't make any sense. What? I, it is Wednesday. You got the Kevin show. I said Friday, Saturday, Sunday. No, you said Monday. I said Wednesday, you Friday, with mo- no, Saturday, Sunday. No. Yes. No, you See, can't fool me. Corona's <laughs> making us fight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's where we're at. This, this is the fucking cabin fever settling into <laughs> us right now. No, I stream Wednesdays. I stream Fridays. I stream Saturdays. I stream Sundays. That's the what Friday. I said. The Friday ones, he said Monday. <laughs> I think he said Monday. I know it. I'm he's going to edit it and he's going to lot it over me. I'm not crazy. No, I'll leave it in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I usually stream on Fridays, but I haven't lately. But I'll get back on that uh, that horse. I don't like horses. I know. Well, what else What, what else should I say? We'll pet that dog when we get there. Okay, we'll pet that dog when we get there. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, I heard you had some news I that, got you, some that you've news. been saving for me. There's four items on here. Oh, four items. Wow. But each one is a meaty morsel for you. Okay? I made sure. Because the save room's going to take care of you. Yeah. Whether it's the end times mm-hmm. or great times, we are here for you. And we're bringing that meat. And there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Number one on here. Oh, this is some bad news. But you know what? Mm. It feels like it feels like a million years ago because we get bad news literally every day. Hang on. I haven't even talked to you about the thing that's killing me the most. What's killing you the most? F9, the Fast Saga, got delayed until April of 2021. There is no justice for Han. No justice for Han. No justice. In fact, that's a bigger thing than this. But anyway, number one on here is E3 2020 has been canceled. That's okay. It was inevitable. It's kind of a big one. It's kind of a big one. Anyway, for the first time in its 25-year history, the Electronic Entertainment Expo has been canceled. The uh, Entertainment Software Association, or the ESA, announced the news last Wednesday, citing growing concerns over COVID-19, the novel strain of coronavirus that has spread to over 100 countries. Just to remind you what you're nervous about right now. Hope you're enjoying your toilet paper. (laughs) A statement can be found on E3's official site stating, quote, After careful consultation with our member companies regarding the health and safety of everyone in our industry, our fans, our employees, our exhibitors, and our longtime E3 partners, we've made the difficult decision to cancel E3 2020, scheduled for June 9th to the 11th in Los Angeles. 
end quote. Say it isn't so. A world without E3. It's it's a gamer pandemic. I mean, it's not like uh, publishers have any direct means of communicating with their fans. Mm-mm. I usually have to walk up the EA and be like, what's going on this year? And they go, I'm mad. And I go, fuck, you've done it again. (laughs) Anyway, uh, they also said, quote, following increased and overwhelming concerns about the COVID-19 virus, we felt this was the best way to proceed during such an unprecedented global situation. We are very disappointed that we are unable to hold this event for our fans and supporters, but we know it's the right decision based on the information we have today and quote. Now, the ESA promised they will reach out to exhibitors and attendees regarding refunds. They also stated that they're working with industry partners to coordinate an online event that will showcase game announcements in June 2020, and that updates can be found on e3expo.com. Optimistically, the ESA shared their excitement for E3 2021, which they envision as a, quote, reimagined event that brings fans, media, and industry together in a showcase that celebrates the global video game industry, end quote. Here's hoping by that time there's vaccinations next to their activations. That's good. It was really good. I like that. It was really clever. I'm a clever boy. You're a clever boy. <laughs> Daniel, how devastated are you on a scale from one to COVID-19? Wow. <laughs> uh, I'm probably a cool COVID six. A COVID six? Yeah, I'm a COVID six. Wow, that, that's not even like a cold. <laughs> well, <laughs> I feel the symptoms. Don't worry. So for me and a lot of people... E3 is very much a big internet commercial. People like you yeah, and me, we don't often make it out to these events, so we just see the recaps on Yeah, I, I haven't in a while. We you know? see the live streams, we see, you know, the press events, but we're not out there, we're not interacting, we're not going to, like, you know, the the EA panels hosted by Greg Miller, we're not going to the Coliseum to see fucking Sean Layden dance around and show us Ghost of Tsushima. <laughs> like, we're not doing things like that, we're literally watching it and reacting to it at home, and that's how it is for the majority of, of gamers, because it's... E3 is a very um, sequestered event. It's mm-hmm. not a fan event in the way that like PAX is or Comic Con is. Yeah, e- even though they opened it up to the public like a couple years back, yeah, but like, that's it's still that's new. It's a them. very it's still an industry tailored yeah. event. It's right? it's a press event. It's much like GDC in that it gives people an opportunity to go out and kind of network and you know mingle within the industry. You right, know? for sure. Um, so for for me, you know, it and, sucks. And journalists to get drunk with each other. Yeah, exactly. That's probably like and number have, two. And have on fun and go to Bioshock parties and go to Bioshock. <laughs> hang out, Ken Levine. And take some shots with Levine and be like, what's next? We're gonna go to an aquarium and fucking pick his brain. <laughs> oh my god. But so for, for us it's gonna stay the same. It, it does suck for the people who are hoping to like put their games out there and their ideas out there and really yeah. further themselves in the gaming space this year. Like that is a, a part where I'm actually kind of feeling the most hurt about it. Otherwise, like I don't doubt that companies are still gonna release trailers like that same time of year or or sooner. Because like at this point, like companies don't have to hold it for a big summer event. They can just do it whenever. I, I think, just like you said, for a majority of fans out there, mm-hmm. there's no change. Mm-mm. If all of the big publishers decide to come together in one week in June and release a bunch of trailers, it's literally the it's same E3. E3 as it's been for years for them, right? And it's nobody's only... information will get leaked this time. <laughs> well, there you go. See, we're protected not yeah, going in exactly. twofold, right? No COVID, no doxing. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a win-win mm-hmm. for the industry, right? I think um, the bigger question here is, what does this mean for next year? They're mm-hmm. hope- hopeful that they're going to do an event but i feel like everyone's just going to kind of come come to terms with the fact that oh we don't need to be there and people are still excited about like for instance wb games want to do a whole showcase mm-hmm. about what is their next batman mm-hmm. game and the, the harry, harry potter, potter rpg and whatever rocksteady's working on well 
people are going to be just as excited for those projects if they hear about it through YouTube mm-hmm. in June than they are about like you know something hosted by by fucking Sean Layden or whatever. Actually, I mean, be you know, but you know what I mean. Phil Spencer. We do get some cool like live events and moments. Like last year, we had fucking like Keanu Reeves. We had uh, <laughs> what's his name from Walking Dead. Oh, 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 he's also in Punisher. John Barenthal. John. For Ubisoft. Barenthal. I mean, we had uh, Akumi Nakamura out there for the first time. Right. Blowing the internet away. No, of course, there was these great moments, so, right? There's these great moments, but also they can do that without having the B located in LA. Yeah. They can do showcases. They can, they can do, do like Nintendo Direct. Everyone's been saying the I same mean, thing. It's like they could do directs and be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's not as like exciting in some ways but e3 has always seemed kind of archaic mm-hmm. in my opinion honestly and i don't know how you feel about this but i feel like the writing was on the wall right uh, that's what i felt that's exactly what i felt sony pulled out last year probably this year as well there was like no mm-hmm. bet that they were actually going to be there i bet they're the pullout king the pullout kings are like fucking jeff goldblum <laughs> jeff Keeley pulled out and that's a big thing <laughs> because <laughs> jeff i love Keighley this show has, <laughs> He's the Paul King of them all, like because yeah. he had been committed to to E three for so long. Yeah, he's going to do. He backed out of the E three Coliseum this which year, which is huge. Even before the announcement that they're canceled because of uh, coronavirus. So I yeah. saw that and I was like, "Hmm, what's really going on here? Like, something's up here, yeah. right? Something's up." And right? I, you know, I don't have the wherewithal because I'm not in the industry like that. I'm just kind of like a spectator on the wall. You're in it hard enough with this podcast, you know. Mm-hmm. I'll get us a press press badge mm-hmm. one of these days for do something. It. Do it. For, for fucking uh, a flea market that <laughs> comes into town. No, I want us to be able to uh, do an interview with THQ Nordic and grill the hell out of it. Oh them. my god. What are you doing with all those studios? What, what are you doing? What the fuck are you doing on 8chan? <laughs> yeah, not even. <laughs> I would, that would be my first question. Who the fuck and why the fuck? Yeah. And who is Steve? <laughs> what do you think is the biggest loss of, of an annual event like E3? Um, because like we already kind of saw GDC happen. I imagine yeah, GamesCon is, is going to be next. Comic-Con's probably down the line. We're going to have these bigger events that happen. That mm-hmm. will come mm-hmm. back in mm-hmm. fashion. WonderCon got uh, can- or actually postponed, like, which is a big one. You know those will come Anaheim. back next year because mm-hmm. they have so many vendors and artists and things that are relied upon like the convention style where e3 is very different what do you think is the worst effect of this for people for gamers for people in the industry for the worst effect i maybe. think would be um probably anybody that was any game developer that was hoping to get a meeting with a, a big publisher mm. and get their game out there get a deal going on you know because I, I think a little bit of that happens at e3 mm-hmm. that's that's probably one of the harder effects but everything else i think is fine for the fans honestly mm-hmm. i don't i don't think it's like oh this is this is the end of an era sure yeah e3's been around for 25 years mm-hmm. i get it i don't know like they haven't really evolved their show uh in any meaningful way and and like the more we realize because of like well what was spearheaded by nintendo with nintendo directs where it's Mm -hmm. like i'm just as pumped waiting for a direct as i am for a fucking uh conference that i'm not attending in la because it's gonna be live stream nonetheless i don't think there's big big enough difference i will say i don't get excited for a single direct or a single state of play the way i do for e3 that's your depression yeah e3 is gaming christmas E3 is like a straight weekend of like announcement after announcement after announcement. It's not your typical one night game awards with Jeff Keighley, although those are nice. <laughs> one, one night with Jeff Keighley. Yeah. <laughs> Every December. You got to present a rose I mean, to him. <laughs> worlds really did change with E3. It was like always in like <laughs> US. an epoch event to like kind of like watch it. And we're, we're not going to get that this year, but I still feel like we're going to get the punch of it because um, people are still going to be like, all right, we'll hold our weight and we'll still 
announce big things come summer. That's yeah. my hope, at least. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I hope for the same. But, like, I honestly, I I think I would be absolutely fuckless if there was no more E3, mm-hmm. right? It's it's not a fan event. It's mainly an industry event. And mm-hmm. I've even heard from some people, like, they, they put it in their head, like, this big mecca for gaming. When they go there, it's like, oh, this is super corporate. Mm-hmm. It's super corporate because it's a bunch of corporations that are putting it up, propping it up. It's, true. Mm-hmm. it's not like a PAX. It's not really tailored for general audiences, Right? So it's like, why is it a big miss for you guys that it might go away? You know, there's other ways to get this information out to you mm-hmm. there that people seem to prefer, right? And you also get to downvote it when you see it on YouTube. So <laughs> way to go. And, and you're going to do it anyway. Win, 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 yeah. right? <laughs> so I'm, I'm not too messed up about it, but I, I think it would be cool to still see some sort of online version uh, or see them wrangle something mm-hmm. together. If it's not like a big old conference hosted by Microsoft, at least give me some sizzle reels about like what you were planning to tell me That's about true. for the fall. Because we don't know what's coming out in the fall for like a lot of anything. A lot of main game companies. Like, we know nothing about like what's Nintendo's plans for the fall That's at true. all right now. We we uh, know very little about Sony. Literally, the cutoff is Last of Us. Oh mm-hmm. no, 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 I should say Ghost of Shishima this year. Yeah, as far June. as yeah, in June. As far as we know, what are their plans for 2020? Mm-hmm. You know, so there's this big question mark. So it's like, well, guys, you probably have this shit planned anyway for around this time period. Just yeah. show it off online or something. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. Um, honestly, in in this new ecosystem that is like Corona and what's been happening lately, yeah. I feel like we still run the risk of like not knowing what a certain studio is going to do. And, like, unless it's something they had planned to announce already, like, at E3L twice, we probably won't hear about it. Or it'll get pushed back. Because I feel like we're at this point right now where, like, things are bound to get delayed. You want to talk about bound to get delayed? Yeah. I talked to you about this offline, but my thinking is that we will not see next-gen consoles, or at least one of the next-gen consoles this year. Yeah, I think that's a fair argument to say. I think they might push that shit to spring, Mm -hmm. because it's bad time time right now. Manufacturing has been throttled, Mm -hmm. uh, because a lot of manufacturing happens in china mm-hmm. i i'm not confident that this is the right time and also uh this is something alana pierce pointed out on the latest episode of dude soup she goes like all of the big studios they rely on outsourcing to mm-hmm. uh chinese developers yep. for like different assets and big games because triple a development is guess what hard mm-hmm. so that has a big impact on what was a, I, I imagine to be the launch lineup for next gen consoles mm-hmm. so imagine them trying to come out this year when people are fucking scared to leave their house and yeah. stuff like that and their launch lineup is like, uh, there's a new Call of Duty, <laughs> you know? I don't know. I, I think it's probably a bad time for it. It seems like it. I mean, we'll, we'll see um, how the turnaround really is. Because if, like, if China can turn it around in a month, we could turn it around soon as well. But it's just like, also, we haven't seen the full effects of what this is going to be. Well, it took them a, cu- a couple of months, man. I mean, December is when... Uh, December? I thought it was January. Okay. It was definitely December. Okay, so like two two months or so. Yeah. I if we it's really pull together, like we can fucking turn it around, but like our government's just got to do it. But that's that's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. Today. We'll see. We'll see because there's a lot of um, ineptitude in this country, mm-hmm. right? But I, I do feel like our his name's economy... Trump. His name is Trump. Yes. He's the fucking inept motherfucker. That is, it's a poor, poor time to have that idiot in leadership. I right swear now. to God, he's very publicly stated that he's using this as leverage for a re-election. But like, come right. on, don't be an abhorrent piece of shit. Don't be an abhorrent piece of shit. It's don't like asking water not to be wet <laughs> like, when you're talking to Trump, just dude. Just don't do that thing, man. Anyway, economy is going to take a hard, hard hit, and people yep. aren't going to want to spend like 
300 400 $500, $600 on consoles like that just because they can't. Because they're oh, yeah, yeah. like a lot of people are out of work right now. Yeah. Um, things are getting pushed back, which are causing people to go out of work. I know a lot of companies, video game companies uh, included, are like adopting work from home policies, which, you know, perpetuate and allow cycles in terms of development or productivity to keep happening. But like there are bound to be delays and like we're going to slow down on production and, and they're going to slow down. Well, if you really look too. at work from home, some of the biggest impacts in like my own company has been mm-hmm. talking about this where it's like, be very mindful and empathetic to people because hey with like schools being closed with schools being closed they may have their family with them Mm -hmm. they might have priorities be shifted all over the place their work hours won't be as natural anymore because they also are juggling the fact that i got to take care of my kids in addition to doing my normal Mm -hmm. job to work from home so we're going to see some productivity hits as well across the board for people that aren't used to having to work from home Mm -hmm. you know we're going to see ripple effects throughout and throughout so delays i think are probably one of the more uh, guaranteed mm-hmm. consequences come out of this yeah. whole situation. It's going to be inevitable because I feel like you want to separate your work-life balance and not have that hard crunch or like you know mindset of work, work, work to push a deadline bleed over with your home life like that. That's not yeah. good. That's not good at all. Yeah. yeah, like on top of everything else that's happening. So yeah, delays delays are inevitable. I think um, a lot of the calendar year stuff that we have kind of in mind that's going to come out is probably still going to happen. But you're right. These consoles are not going to come out for one reason or another because of you know mm-hmm. a lack of manufacturing resources or cost. I would be shocked to see yeah. these consoles hit, hit that 2020 holiday for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I would be shocked. I would be happy, but I would be shocked. I mean, so, we'll, we'll see what happens. The, the hope is that, like, this, we'll be cl- dead. this clears up by summer, right? And we can fucking go back to our normal, like, you know, going out to events and concerts and, you know, being within five feet of people. You nah, know, but- Clementine will be eating the flesh from our bones, for sure. Oh, wow. Maybe flies all over our apartment, man. Oh, jeez, dude. Yeah. What became of Kevin Faith? <laughs> <laughs> or what remains, rather? What, I don't know. <laughs> I think what became makes better. Yeah, yeah. But whatever, whatever. I mean, the, the game's beautiful. We'll see. We'll definitely see mm-hmm. what the, the effects and what. So we'll probably be talking about whatever ETH three plans next uh or i should say esa plans for that month yeah. I, I think we'll see some digital stuff though i think that has to happen like there's no way they're not going to do something they gotta do something they for the gamers you can't us. leave the gamers <laughs> hanging you can't leave them hanging but moving on to number two on here some good news some good news in this world my friend some some rumors suggest sony is backing a silent hill reboot and a silent hills revival dude Whoa, fucky three, this is Gamer Christmas. <laughs> Previously on The Save Room, we reported on rumors that Konami had two Silent Hill projects in works after years of dormancy. Last week, the reliable horror website Rely on Horror brought those rumors into focus. Rely on Horror says trusted sources have confirmed the first project in the works is a soft reboot of the series. Silent Hill veterans are attached to the reboot, including Masahiro Ito, the creature designer for the first four titles. Uh, Kichiro Toyama, writer and director of the original Silent Hill, and Akira Yamaoka, the famed composer and sometimes producer of the games. The trio will be joined by SIE Japan Studio in either a full-time or part-time capacity to develop the new game. SIE Japan Studio, uh, can you rattle off a few games that they might have done in the past, my friend? Uh, Patapon, Ape Escape, uh, The Last Guardian. The Last Gardo. Siren. They have like a hit, a suite of games. Like they're very 
Sony first party. So like there's a lot of like stock and faith that like them coming together with this original Silent Hill team is going to be a collision of worlds that's going to be fucking awesome. On that point, sources also say Sony is the driving force behind resurrecting the franchise, likely for the PlayStation 5. And due to consistent demand, Sony is working to patch things up between Konami and Kojima Productions to bring back Silent Motherfucking Hill. The infamously canceled sequel starring Norman Reedus and directed by Hideo Kojima. Sony has reportedly pitched the game as a narrative-driven adventure like Until Dawn and wanted for the next iteration of PlayStation VR for the PS5. Sources warn that Silent Hills is not a done deal and currently uh, the Silent Hill reboot is the only game in full development. So having about, uh, I'd say, a year in production. While Sony is orchestrating this horror show, Mm -hmm. they do not intend to own the Silent Hill IP and will work in partnership with Konami. I think they should fucking just buy it from Konami. They should just fucking buy it. I think they should just buy Konami. <laughs> just fucking... Just buy Konami. Throw down another fucking $268 million and just buy another studio. Yeah, but what is... <laughs> Sony can't afford the warehouse to store all the fucking pachinko machines. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many. They're gonna be fucking just storing them in, like, fucking Herman Hulse's basement. <laughs> <laughs> what, Herman, why'd you get a bigger house? He's like, I needed the den space. <laughs> All right, let me. We'll 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 do uh, two stories with this one. Which one are you more excited for first? The reboot. The reboot. Honestly, okay. I, again, I I think Silent Hills can be brilliant, mm-hmm. and I but I think we're much farther out from whatever that that you know whenever that comes out mm-hmm. if this deal gets sure. done. Um, I really want a fully baked reboot of mm-hmm. the franchise uh, that feels modernized, fix the haphazard controls, mm-hmm. but bring in them good, good scares. That cerebral fucking... That's the thing. The cerebral mm-hmm. horror is what I really like about Silent Hill and obviously is something that resonates with fans worldwide. Bring that shit back. Honestly, I want that dialed up hard in the Silent Hills narrative one, the episodic one mm-hmm. that, you know, is going to be like in the vein of like Until Dawn. Uh... I would actually hope that Silent Hills is much more um, disruptive to the concept of Silent Hill, whereas the reboot is more classic Silent yes. Hill as we know it, mm-hmm. and then Silent Hills is like, yo, this is whatever Kojima wants to do in a horror setting. I, I legit think of like the the demo that we got, the PT demo, and like I want that in a very like narrative adventure yeah. type way. Like that yeah. would bend and break my mind. More of that, more puzzling in that way, more of that gameplay style. That'd yeah. be fucking great. That'd well, be fucking great. So the the idea of um, Japan Studios and the original team coming together is is brilliant. Um, I think they could really be this brain trust that like kind of looks at what studios like Capcom is doing now with their Resident Evil remake trajectory that they're fucking having massive success with. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if like that was part of why they're doing this too. Like, man, we got to get some of that horror cred back. Like we're, we're long the day since clock tower and siren and silent. Hill. Oh, hell yeah. Let's get back to it. Hell yeah. And I, I think this is a team that's ripe for fucking success. Um, having I, veterans in the fold is yep. just gives me nothing but confidence about mm-hmm. the project. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, it's not like it's just being, you know, sent to some studio that has no legacy in this. It's mm-hmm. like, no, 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 no. These were the members of team silent that worked on the original games. That's fucking awesome. Awesome. Mm-hmm. This is the right way to bring it back into the fold, right? And Capcom did much the same thing with Resident Evil 2 Remake. Mm-hmm. They got people that worked on the original goddamn yep. game to help re-visualize uh, that title. Do it again for Silent Hill. There's so much potential. People they got the, want it. They got the original producer, right? I forget his name. Is it is I that Masachika Kawada? Mm, Masachika Kawada. 
I haven't heard that name in years. Uh, yeah, I think it is, actually. But it makes the hair stand on my arms. I, it's like somebody walked on my grave. That lost, forgotten place. What is that? <laughs> I remember that, man. <laughs> um, I do hope, though, that they, yeah. they go a long way in terms of um, updating their controls. As much as I you know, trust SIE, um, some of their games don't control very well. Siren's a great game. It controls like shit. Eco, great game, but doesn't control <laughs> that great. Like shit. <laughs> Shadows of Colossus, not great much game. better. Control. Like yeah, the last yeah, guardian yeah, yeah. all there all there so, yeah <laughs> you know I, I i hope they kind of really really hone in on what makes a mechanically great silent hill game and uh also making puzzles that aren't bullshit modernize it but bring the ingredients that fans oh so love now right i've never played the original silent hill so this is going to be a treat for me because i've only played two um so i don't even know like the context of one and what that's all about well, there's this town called Silent Hill, right? And there's a lot of ghoulies run, <laughs> running around in there. I'm fog yeah. there. Let me tell you. Well, pure headed man. I think my boy, his name is Peter. Must have been Peter. Mm-hmm. The lead guy. Is it Peter? Is it J- J- Jody? You're asking me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't played the first I've one. I've never played the first one. Okay. I've never played the first one either, actually. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I've played two. I played three. I played four. Uh... I played Downpour. I played, uh, what's the one between Downpour and four? Homecoming. Homecoming. I almost said the last birthday, but that's fucking uh, Parasite Eve. That's the third birthday. <laughs> the third actually. birthday. There we go. Thank you for keeping me in line. No problem. Keeping you're, you honest with you're, uh, you're all good. of these horror titles. Now, I'll tell you what. Silent Hills and Kojima. Um, this is a match made in heaven. You know, seeing seeing them back together and, and having that vision like kind of fleshed out. Granted, it's just a rumor. But, just a rumor. You know, rumors have gone a long way in the industry. Maybe he's going to get Norman Reedus back in the project, right? Uh, mm-hmm. We we heard some murmurings that Norman confirmed, like, yeah, I'm going to work on another game with mm-hmm. uh, Kojima, but he didn't specify what it was at all. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel about the, this approach to Silent Hills being less so in line with the older games and more mm-hmm. so this narrative base, almost Until Dawn-ish kind of game, whatever it may be? choice driven or episodic even dare i dare i say it i'm not mad about it because that formula has worked for a lot of studios mm-hmm. um you know telltale kind of got like old with it after a while but then super massive came along with uh, uh until dawn and that was rad yeah but then they tried it again on their own with, with man, man from medan, medan and yeah. guess 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 that didn't really set the world on fire i really didn't hear that many people driving mm-hmm. on it I'm so but like thinking of what pt was it reminded me of like the the midnight hour demo from resident evil just like a very beginning like, hour the beginning hour well no they had different demos throughout the uh the course of it right because they kept adding stuff it was overall it. called beginning hour mm-hmm. though i thought the last one ended up being being called the midnight hour but you know that that concept of just being like this kind of walking adventure type horror game and i don't mind there being choices i don't mind it kind of bending and warping and very like crazy kubrickian ways like take me on an adventure kojima in the house man like he knows how to tell a story um (laughs) does he he knows how to tell a story Uh, just not in sequence i mean but that's (laughs) not cohesive in any cohesive manner whatsoever yeah but but name me a silent hill story that felt cohesive you know two kind of i mean (laughs) i mean i think it's the best one right Mm -hmm. in fact that's what i hope the uh the reboot kind of plays with where it's like it's not as literal because i feel like part one was kind of literal that's what Mm -hmm. the movie's based on and all that yeah yeah father searching for his daughter and then it's like a this fucking crazy cult is Mm -hmm. like the the reason why silent hill is all well there but part two was like no it's your personal hell i want it to be like a kind of mixing of worlds like think of like reboots and remakes that have been happening lately like that know how to kind of like borrow and and marry two philosophies i am excited 
about Silent Hill. I am. This is good. This is great news. But that's I so think. far away. But that's so far away. <laughs> <laughs> if I wanted to know what was affecting developers and studios everywhere, where would I go? <laughs> you go to a congregation with more than 250 people and catch what's affecting developers right now. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> social distancing man Uh, let's talk about social distancing real quick uh how uh we just got delivered toilet paper and (laughs) yeah (laughs) they didn't even knock (laughs) you didn't even know because we edited it out but they didn't knock they left the toilet paper the 12 roll which is a fucking uh commodity that people people are willing to fight over Mm -hmm. okay you just left it outside my door oh no sorry bob anyway i got now let's go from good news to eh i don't love this news Mm -hmm. No, and this is news that we're just going to keep hearing about. This is the sort of news that um, it sucks to hear because it, it comes from the sort of studios that like you respect and you want to think that they've um, they've done better. But at the end of the day, like these are corporate mindsets and, and things that are happening that are you know putting people in positions where they have to get products out, meet deadlines, meet financial quarters, and, and put people in awkward predicaments. And when you're a AAA studio, sometimes you get put in these positions. You know? Sometimes you get put in these positions. I don't know. I a little bit, I a little bit disagree on mm. that one. I think it comes down to leadership. Now let's let's tell the kids what we're talking about. Sure. All right, number three, Naughty Dog employees say Crunch is as bad as ever to finish The Last of Us Part Two. Say it ain't so. Joel. Once again, Kotaku's Jason Schreier has posted a deep dive exposing crunch culture at a major AAA studio. Mm -hmm. Having interviewed 13 current and former Naughty Dog employees, the article paints a picture of a studio that prides itself on perfectionism, which of course comes at a huge human cost. Developers working on The Last of Us Part Two say it's shaping up to be Naughty Dog's biggest and best game to date, but production has put significant strain on the people working 12-hour days, sometimes including weekends, to live up the lofty expectations set up by leadership. One developer described the studio as both the best and worst place to work at. Quote, They do try to take care of you, providing food, encouragement to go take breaks, but for the most part, the implication is get the job done at all costs, end quote. Developers told Schreier that Uncharted 4 and its follow-up Lost Legacy saw the team go through a particularly brutal crunch cycle that led to massive attrition. Even decade-plus Naughty Dogs left the studio after, including The Last of Us and Uncharted 4's game director, Bruce Straley, who took a sabbatical after the latter game released and decided not to return to the studio. That's insane. This led to a scenario where The Last of Us Part Two was being developed by more, uh, by far more junior staff than Naughty Dog is used to having on a project. A developer told Jason that Naughty Dog would still, quote, expect the same level of quality out of a lot of the junior contractors as they do out of people who've been here for a while, which is ridiculous. It certainly led to a lot of stress and feeling like shit to most people who are new which sucks, end quote. Developers also revealed that the game's delay from February 2020 to May was not so they could polish the game without having the crunch. In one developer's words, quote, people thinking the extension is somehow to relieve stress or the workload on the team are wrong. The first thing they wanted to reiterate is that we aren't slowing down the pace, end quote. We encourage you to read the full article called As Naughty Dog Crunches on The Last of Us 2, Developers Wonder How Much Longer This Approach Can Last by Jason Schreier on Kotaku.com. That's the whole. 
com. That's the entire yeah, title of the article. Wow. It's a bit wordy, but it gets the point across, yeah. right? So, and I think that's um, one one interesting tidbit out of that article, too, is that some of these developers are hoping that the game fails mm-hmm. so that Naughty Dog can finally take a look and say, there's other ways to make games. Crunching this badly mm-hmm. and this level of perfectionism isn't the only way to find success. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the feeling from the studio is that they don't know anything different Mm -hmm. because everything they've done thus far has led them to success. These Mm -hmm. fucking game of the years, these nominations, these most beloved games of all time. But there's a real, real human cost that's going Mm -hmm. on here. In every instance, we always talk about this, Mm -hmm. right? People fucking burning themselves out on games, impacting their health, having their uh, personal lives destroyed. God forbid you try to maintain a relationship if you're staying at a studio seven days a week until midnight. The Bioware, uh, uh, what are they, the stress casualties? Mm -hmm. That was insane. Like Just hearing that people were having mental duress from a job that was causing physical ailment to them like that is that's not what should be happening that's not should be happening to to, to game developers and, and the people. same thing happened here too yeah. a lot of people just kind of had uh health blowouts i guess you could call them right and had to leave the studio i mean like like i said before like this this sort of stuff is like it's sadly inevitable because like corporations are just kind of in that mindset of like this is how we're going to push our employees Naughty Dog is one of the studios, you know, much like we look at the Biowares, we look at um, Take-Two and um, what's the studio that did Red Dead? I forget. Uh, the, I don't think I don't think anyone made Red Dead. No, no one? There's no studio. <laughs> we look at the situation with the Housers. Rockstar. Rockstar, thank you. We look at the, <laughs> the Rockstar situation with the Housers. They weren't necessarily putting people up to the pressure of it, but they would look at what their leaders are doing and they would have to mirror it because they're like, we know we have something special here and we want mm-hmm. such a high caliber of, of, of quality with everything in the game, from the music to the backgrounds to the gameplay to the side quests to the everything. There's so many working parts and it all has to be perfect. And and I imagine Naughty Dog is in that same sort of the mindset where it's like, well, yeah, we've had we have award winning games, like you said, like Uncharted is a fucking smash series. The Last of Us Part One, we never thought we'd even get a sequel. Like there's there's so much um, riding on this thought because like the studio doesn't want to fail. They've already pushed it back, and that's already bad enough in the the eyes of the gamers and the public to like be like, oh, we had a deadline, you couldn't even meet that. Hmm, what's really going on? What's really happening? Yeah, I, I that's the thing. I, I think if you're the type of person from like a fan standpoint to get mad at them for already missing mm-hmm. like the the first release date and think that like, oh well, good, you do have to crunch in order to get this out. This is your job. I don't think you even deserve to play the game. But it's it's just that sort of mindset too. Like, yeah, I agree. Those people don't deserve to play it, but that. That toxic mindset uh, makes people feel like they have to work hard and, and really honor the people who are their their fans, you know, one way yeah, or there, another. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure. And then it's, it sounds like it's the same thing, like with Rockstar, with Bioware, with uh, with Naughty Dog. It's, it's this unspoken expectation, mm-hmm. but it's there, yeah. right? The article goes on to actually say that Naughty Dog explicitly goes out of the way to look for people that they think are passionate and driven enough mm-hmm. to do things like stay until midnight on a fucking Saturday. Yeah. They want these kinds of people, so they foster this ecosystem where one testimonial was that if you tried to leave at like 6.30 p.m. because your expectation was basically, hey, work at 10.30 a.m., stay till 6.30 p.m., you would have animators and artists like give you the fucking stink eye because there's this kind of work backlog that occurs where they might rely on you. Like, hey, I'm a design guy, but I need this animator to finish this scene. But you really, like there was one quote, it almost felt like one guy would give you a look 
and say, oh, you really fucked me over, man, because you didn't stay here until 11 p.m. like I did. Mm -hmm. This mentality just gets fucking, it just spreads in the studio. And that comes from leadership. Mm -hmm. When you have leaders that are doing that kind of shit, even the veterans that love that kind of crunch, Mm -hmm. because they they even go on, Jason says, some people enjoyed crunch at that studio because they were perfectionists, because they wanted to do the greatest thing, because they wanted to add little features, this Mm -hmm. little polish that was known as the Naughty Dog signature, basically, right? And, like, this game is undoubtedly seething with polish, even from what we've seen so far. Like, the Mm -hmm. little nuances of, like, watching Ellie move about and, like, the the cuts that the, that we've seen. There's a combat scene where she's fighting with a hammer and there's such a slight, subtle little animation that you can miss, but it's literally her like pounding down on a fucking hunter and she spins it like mid like pullback and it's like somebody probably spent like a hundred hours working on that a hundred and that's just to like have polish and flourish and style and characterization in that world and in that game that naughty dog is known for in the end like they can say yeah they put out a a product that they're proud of but like at what cost you know Mm. did i necessarily need that i mean it's cool but i don't want you to burn yourself out making something like that you know Mm -hmm um making games is not getting easier mm -hmm. right no we keep on hearing that it gets more and more complicated in order to deliver like these experiences that are super polished with the graphics that people have come to expect quote unquote Mm -hmm. basically and having an entire group spending all this time obsessing over this shit obsessing over these little details and just like here's one harsh reality it takes you hundred hours it takes Mm -hmm. one gamer like the fucking burn through in a weekend yeah there would be gamers that burn through the last of us in a weekend and then they fucking resell it at GameStop and they're on to the next thing and that's the, that's <laughs> exactly. a sad reality of it not every gamer is like us that has a huge backlog or collection of games like they they're very like attention deficit ridden they move from the next thing to the next thing where it's like huh that was cool okay like what what's next you know where's my fucking Ghost of Tsushima where's my you know <laughs> Avengers game let's let's move on and this, this shit is proven it's <sighs> been proven that it's not sustainable the, these mm. these huge uh, crunch periods that are being imposed or whether it be tacitly or expressly you know it's not sustainable for people and you're going to see attrition you're going to see people leave not i would not be surprised that after last of us part two releases that a bunch of people fucking exit the studio actually that was going to be my next thought i feel like either the studio is going to go on a hard hiatus we're not going to see something from them for a very long time or that studio is just going to kind of, like, see huge leadership changes. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Neil walked away right. after this. Because, like, in the last seven years, we've seen Amy Henning depart. Bruce Straley depart, which is a huge hit. Huge. And then it's just, it's just Neil, like, and, you know, he's got this team of juniors. And 70% of the people who were on Uncharted 4 have left. Like what are you what are you working with right now? Like that's that's hard. How that's many, really hard. How many more goalposts do you need for you to like yeah. figure out like oh shit the sign is there like we should we can't maintain this. But my worry here is that once Lost of Us Part Two comes out, that's not it. There's still a multiplayer mode that they're going to be supporting. Right. Like what is that going to do to the studio? Exactly. You know how many people who maybe didn't want to work on a multiplayer game wanted to work on their own thing are stuck working on that, and then you see a fucking like. Uh, Bruce Straley and Neil Druckmann collaboration like when they fucking jumped off of Uncharted to do The Last of Us you're gonna see people just exit the studio and do their own thing like I, I feel like there's gonna be this huge shifting point after The Last of Us Part 2 and I'm not looking forward to it I'm very much looking forward to the game and it, it bums me out to hear that it's come at such a, a high cost to people's lifestyles yeah and, and everything like it, it shouldn't be that hard and demanding and unfortunately the, the industry has put it in a place where it is you know I like, bet I bet you 100% of the people at that studio have read that article 
a hundred percent of the people that say oh, sure. that are called. You have to imagine that there's conversations happening. If there isn't, mm. they are being fucking reckless, man. They're being reckless about it. Yeah. They can't just ignore this, put their heads in the sand, right? And be like, oh, I took offense. Like Bioware had a similar shitty statement that they're just like, oh, no, no, Jason, it's not happening like this, mm. basically. And it was like, no, well, there's a reason that these stories are leaking out. It's not just jilted employees, man. I mean, when there's enough voices calling you out, mm-hmm. you can't just be like, oh, no, 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 no. They're specific shit was bad we haven't heard anything like a response from like neil or sony or naughty dog at all as of yet like we're just hearing the testimonials pull out or pour out rather and they kind of just get worse and worse as you hear about them um in terms of like the attrition that's happening um the one person who took to twitter jonathan cooper about having his own paychecks like withheld or put off and i'm just like why what's happening what is happening right now with these developers at the studio do you, want, yeah. do you want to read this quote from him? Yeah, specifically what happened with the paycheck thing is that he took to Twitter. Jonathan Cooper, who was a, a uh, animator on the title, said that, quote, When I left Naughty Dog late last year, they threatened to withhold my final paycheck until I signed additional paperwork stating I wouldn't share their production practices. They finally <laughs> relented when I assured them that that was most likely illegal. Wow. Okay. And it is. Now he did go on to say that he didn't he he has no truly awful crunch story, mm-hmm. but he knows people that have gone through that and some people voluntarily put themselves through that, other people feel the pressure from those around them to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the article even mentions that contractors especially were like, well, they felt the need to put in the long long fucking hours mm-hmm. in the hopes that they'll get a full-time position, right? So that's there's a lot of this culture that goes behind it. There's a lot of different reasons that crunch happens. It isn't just people like walking and going like, fuck you assholes, you're not going home tonight. Like, no. It, yeah. it, some of it's voluntary and then it's like, I think some people take that the wrong way when it's like, well, they want to do that. They're just driven and I'm just like, yeah, 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 yeah. But we should not foster an environment. In fact, we should openly dissuade people from burning themselves out like that, right? We can't, we shouldn't just be like, well, do what you want to do, blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, you set a bad example for those around you that's that's the lesson i'm trying to like put out there man mm-hmm. maybe work from home don't don't stay at the office until fucking midnight go like hey if you're gonna work on off hours just don't show other people that you're doing this yeah, thing i fair. think these little things would make a big difference in the industry right where it's like our veterans don't teach the wrong lesson to those around them right like i, I really don't want to think that neil's out there like cracking the whip on all these people um, I'm sure, like, there's a lot of stress to put out this game because it's been delayed, like, well, once there, or twice. There's more leadership at the studio than Neil. I don't yeah. think it's all just him. Uh, of course, it's I, not you know, just him. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> but... Listen, I want to like him. I want to love him. I, I want to love him. I love that beard. You know? It's shiny. It's so shiny. I don't want to... I don't want to think that he walks in and goes, like, you, you're going home at six? <laughs> really? Really? Like, I don't want to think, that think that's Nate Neil. think Nate goes home at six you to think... play Crash Bandicoot with Elena? No. He stays out and gets the job done. You don't stop when you're tired. You stop when you're done. <laughs> Get up and grind. <laughs> he knocks their fucking plates out of their hands. You don't eat now. Could you imagine he's like that? <laughs> he's like a diva. He's no. like flipping plates no, no, and no. shit. Yeah. Um, so there, there's a lesson to be learned here, obviously, right? So to kind of just dismount from all of this. Um, the Last of Us is going to come out. We're going to have these conversations with Crunch, and we're going to walk away from it. The game's going to be a massive success. But I just don't want us to forget that these things are happening um, because we need to keep learning from them. We need to have that same conversation we were, we're having about Rockstar and the Housers and, and how the mainstream and, and companies learn from that. Like Naughty Dog kind of just needs to be an example here of, of what not to do. And granted, it's going to keep happening. But mm-hmm. you know, as long as Jason Trier's out there, if it's happening, we're going to find out. 
Like, just do better, you know? Treat your workers better. Don't burn them out. That sucks. It's a, I think it's a creative tendency, um, sorry, a creative tendency and a person um, like you and I, we're, you know, we're passionate about the Me? things we do. You and I, What's especially creatively or otherwise, when we do a job, we want to make sure we're doing the job right and to the fullest. And I think creativity is hard to pull back sometimes because it feels endless. Like you could keep putting more and more and work into the same thing. Is it going to matter in the end? No, you could probably could have stopped 10 hours ago, but like we're going to keep trying to iterate and do better. Like as a writer, right? How many times do you sit down and think, Hmm, how could I iterate this sentence differently? How could oh, I do it God, better? How can I do it thing. sharper? But like at the end of the day, you probably could have just done it half as much and it still would have been good, you know? Yeah. yeah so probably. just, I, I, I just kind of need this to be like out there. Cause I like, I, I don't know. I want Naughty Dog to learn and do better. Games don't need to come at this cost. Yeah. They I love their <laughs> games. I love their games, but you know what? I would love their games even more mm-hmm. if I didn't think that the people that brought it to me are suffering. Mm-hmm. You know what? I've said this since every single motherfucking time that we've talked about crunch. And I'll say it every single motherfucking time that we hear about crunch again. Okay. Say it. I would love a game even more if I knew mm-hmm. that the people that brought it to me didn't have to suffer to make it. That's all. That's all. It's a simple thing. I mean, what do you think you, you can do to avoid certain things? Like I look at a studio like Capcom, right? I'm, I'm sure they crunch a little bit here and there, but I they think probably it, crunch a lot. They probably, they probably do, crunch a lot. But I feel because that's the Japanese mind. Like, don't even say a little. Like, like I, I like, know for a fact they probably it, crunch a lot. It's very like it's culturally how the Japanese yeah, are. Yes. Like work till you die, work to the bone, and it's just kind of a unspoken, known thing about their culture. Sure. And in America, like you know, it's we're it's being exposed more and more and more. But I think they get kind of it's it's probably easier for them, right? Because they announce a game and it usually comes out within the month. Or the two. They don't announce a game like years out and then delay it and delay it and delay it. Sure. I think that's probably where we get into trouble too sometimes where it's like the, as soon as you announce a game, especially if it's too early, it's already in the mainstream's expectations of it's going to come out soon. It's going to come out. The second you put a date on it, there's that expectation. And once you can't meet it and have to move it further out and further out, the crunch is going to keep happening, you know? Not to sidebar, but I don't think that's, um, there, there's a big, there's a big system at play there, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's always for fans' benefit to play your hand that early. I don't think like so either. Game. I, th- I think <laughs> it has a lot to do with getting investors on board sure. with a publisher, where they get excited like, hey, EA's doing some cool shit. Mm-hmm. Here you go. I'm going to put some stocks and shares and blah, blah, blah in there, right? It's all about money, mm-hmm. right? And <laughs> development's expensive, right? Every delay cost whoever's paying mm-hmm. you right and that, that that's why this mandate and pressure is also there but i don't think it's unsolvable i think the biggest thing that you can do internally is to have discipline with your production teams have a producing team have a team that it, like managers that know what each of the discrete teams are doing and how their work mm-hmm. overlaps one common situation at naughty dog was that there would be features or parts of the games that were cut without this the team responsible for that feature or part of the game knowing so they spent oh. weeks and weeks animating something that was already killed that is a lack of production. It's a lot. That's a lack of discipline. Ooh, you need bad. something arranging that. But apparently, their internal kind of mind or mental model mm-hmm. is not to have like um, basically producers. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone is their own producer in your in their own way, and that that leads to a lot of no. just unclean bullshit. Here, going here's on. the thing about development on that size when you have so many different elements coming together. 
uh, in terms of creativity and production. Yeah. It's, it's very cross-functional. It's very collaborative. I don't, I don't really buy the whole idea of like, let's produce in a silo within the team. It's like, no, cause then you're hitting walls. Like you need to like really communicate. Like this is the thing I'm doing because I want it to play off of this and this, how can we build it? How can we make it uh, fine tune right. and how can we work on it? You know? Um, and that, and that actually avoids scope creep as well, right? Yeah, exactly. E- even if your team <laughs> wants to throw in uh, the fucking kitchen sink of features and cool mm-hmm. little implementations, you need to have somebody step there and be like, let me hear these ideas. Let me understand your ideas. How does it work for the whole? Does this make sense? You basically need product managers on the mm-hmm. floor fucking wrangling things in like that. And I think that that would go a long way helping having somebody say, no, 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 no. I, I get it. You're going the full nine yards. Don't, no, not for this. Yeah. This doesn't make sense here. You don't need to burn yourself out for mm-hmm. this. This guy's doing this. This is. I know that this yeah. is being planned on the back end. Let's not do that, right? You need that shit. It sounds like Naughty Dog doesn't have a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's. It's a very creative first studio, and I think that's a good environment to foster. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you still need some discipline to make sure because these are employees still. These are their lives. This is their time. This is their effort. You still need to have somebody that walk in and go, hey, I want to see you out of here by 6.30 p.m., okay? Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> you need that. Yeah, there's... I think that's very admirable, and there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with calling a day at 6.30, you know? No, dude. No. Hey, you want to talk about another studio that crunches? <laughs> oh, shit. They just crunch internationally. <laughs> they do. I got a number four on here for you. It's CD Projekt Red confirms that its next project will be in the Witcher universe. Ooh. Wow. With Cyberpunk 2077 nearing its September release, many fans have wondered what's next for Polish RPG maker CD Projekt Red. Will it be a new IP or maybe even a new genre for the... I already said it was a Witcher, actually, in the headline, so that's fine. I don't know why I'm editorializing. <laughs> anyway, uh, Studio President Adam ooh, Kaczynski told Eurogamer Poland that they have a clear concept for a new single-player title in the Witcher universe, and that production would begin as soon as Cyberpunk releases. The plan is to have three teams with different focuses at CD Projekt. Two bigger teams will work on Cyberpunk's multiplayer mode and DLC. A third, smaller team will handle the new Witcher. And new Witcher indeed, because it won't be Geralt of Rivia. Kinsinski... Oh man, he's got a name alright. Kinsinski (laughs) reiterated what he's been saying since 2017. Geralt's story is done, and this game will not serve as The Witcher 4. It'll be the fourth Witcher game. The Witcher 4, if you will. (laughs) Given CD Projekt Red's typical half-a-decade development cycle, however, it will be a number of years before we see this new Witcher. The studio also confirmed that they aren't planning on developing any new IP, and that their games will be in either the Cyberpunk or Witcher universe for the foreseeable future. Mm. Interesting. Come up with something on your own, CD Projekt Red. Quit stealing other IP. Yeah, dude. These are adaptations, (laughs) Come up with that new idea. Yeah, man. Fucking Kaczynski. Kaczynski? <laughs> what are you doing, dude? You got you, you're a phony. You got no new ideas, you phony. No, they're a wonderful studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, except for all their stupid crunch assholes. And their transphobia. And, and their uh, transphobia. Okay, yeah. yeah they're a shitty studio. No they're a shitty fucking studio. <laughs> okay. Well, so we were gonna see this scope with uh with cyberpunk where it's this team is gonna continue to work on it, yeah. continue to develop parts of it, DLC, multiplayer. Cyberpunk is gonna have a very, very long life to it. That game is not going to be a game that comes out and they abandon. Much like they didn't abandon The Witcher 3. That was a game they supported for a very long time. So I can see that being the main focus of the studio for a good two years while they kind of snowball ideas of what this new Witcher could be. Yeah. The the interesting thing is that it's a smaller team starting Mm -hmm. production on it. So they're just 
probably there for ideation. Yeah. Like figuring out what is the thing? How do we accomplish the thing? Mm -hmm. What's going to be interesting for? What's the story? Especially now that they're walking away from Geralt's story. Mm -hmm. Does that mean Ciri's not a part of it? Because Ciri was very much intertwined Mm -hmm. with uh, Geralt. Do we not do anything with her? Like, there's a lot of questions there, and I'm actually super interested what they would do Mm -hmm. to continue forth. Am I sad that Geralt's not going to be part of it? Well, I think from the game standpoint, we've got a lot of Geralt. We got a lot of Geralt. You have a lot we of Geralt. Three games of Geralt. And now, thankfully, thanks to Netflix, you have more Geralt elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, he just has weird dead cat eyes the entire uh, show. Do they move? They don't move. I don't think right? they move at all. His eyes I, I, I watched probably like a 20 minute segment where he didn't blink once, and I wondered if his eyes were CG'd. Like all of it. His whole, like just that portion of his face. How fucking dry do you think his eyes are to wear those contacts? Very. Like super dry. Oh my God. I'm still trekking through through the Netflix Switcher. I'm working through it. It's hard being an actor. He's got to work out all the time, right? You know, I always want to just eat like sandwiches. Mm-hmm. God, he, he just sandwiches. wants to get ripped. He just wants to get ripped creatine. and get rolls. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he's Jesus crunching Christ. in a different way. He's crunching his bot. As somebody who's played The Witcher 3 and has seen the show and kind of knows a little bit more about it, uh, what do you think we could do in that universe? What's a character that could be focused on that isn't super tied to Geralt's world but is still part of that world? You know, Maybe it's a different Witcher because Maybe. we did establish that lore that it's there's different Witchers in True. Geralt's universe, True. right? Maybe it's a new Witcher. Maybe mm-hmm. it's like years after the fact and we're picking up with like the legend of Geralt that are that are Ooh. known, but like this new Witcher is trying to find their own place in the world. Kind of like a legacy story, legacy story that builds off of like what Geralt had done, right? Maybe the Witchers are gone, mm-hmm. and this is the last Witcher trying to like use their. Le- this is very Jedi, by yeah, the way. The very last Jedi. Witcher, yeah, yeah. The last <laughs> Witcher, right? Ooh, that that's would a be cool, a good title, cool dude. The last Witcher. Maybe that's why they keep on saying it's not Witcher Four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, maybe it's something very distant, very very interesting. You can do a lot of shit. I think that as long as you get the core. Mm-hmm. of what people like which is their side quests are fucking amazing the storytelling's fucking amazing mm-hmm. the world is super immersive you can get lost in it get those things right you're good do whatever the fuck you want i almost want to be like hey you guys know you don't need to go that hard with it but they're still going to they're like maybe like a reduction in the question marks on the map man <laughs> reading about their story in blood sweat and pixels and like their their idea of like probably what was scope creep for certain side quests like they they got they had a team that was just for side quests in, in narrative building in that the capacity and hundreds of different unique stories and it's like okay maybe we could just do like 50 but like i imagine knowing that cyberpunk is going to be huge they have to they're going to do the naughty dog thing and whatever studio does i'm like well how do we top our last effort yeah like how do we yeah. make it bigger you de- that's ugh undoubtedly so yeah i'm I'm hoping that the you know next gen technology is a little more wieldy so it isn't as difficult to make something uh that expansive Mm. but yeah i'm i'm super i'm interested to see what it is but i I think we're gonna get it like honestly if i think about it either mid to late uh generation for next gen consoles we're gonna get this game um if that it might be like hey here's a fucking ps6 launch title fucking the witcher for the last witcher yeah, who knows? If, if they haven't started working on it, it's we're probably five years out from this thing. Oh, <laughs> my oh, prediction yeah. is that the next Witcher game probably comes out in like twenty twenty five. We're fucking three years out from a trailer. <laughs> like it's gonna be some time. It's gonna be some time. Yeah, we're let, gonna see. Let them have some time. We're gonna see it digitally on Red Band because E yeah. three is canceled. Yeah, no, it's fine. Listen, sink your teeth in the cyberpunk for a while. It'll be fine. That's the point. That's why they make these games so they can kind of be this evergreen experience, yes, and that's they, how they hope you play them. Yes, that's how open world players are too. They want to live in that world forever. There are people still playing Breath of the Wild two years later. 
They are. They can't give up that game. I'm sorry, not two years. Three years later, mm-hmm. even. Yeah, that game just had a three-year anniversary, which did is Did it really? Crazy. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think March 3rd would be three years of the Switch in Breath of the Wild, which is kind of crazy. Uh, did you know Resident Evil 4 came out 15 years ago? Hmm. That's hard. Happy birthday. That's hard. Well, wait. Did it have its birthday recently? I'm not sure, but it's 15 years old. Hmm. That's ridiculous to me that things could be 15 years out and I was alive and an adult. <laughs> That's true. It's terrible. Yeah, that's crazy, actually, to think of. I don't like that. I think of some older games where I'm like, oh, yeah, you, you came out when I was 10. That makes sense that you're 20 years Dude, old now. Dude, what the fuck? I'll be like 36 when the new Witcher comes out. And you'll still try and get the Platinum. Oh, I got dizzy. <laughs> I, got, I got vertigo just thinking about <laughs> oh, it. Oh, I got dizzy on that one. Oh, Jesus, Daniel. Is Yennefer a big character in the games, by chance? She's a big character in the books, and she's a big character in the games, yeah. She's a big character mm. in Witcher 3. Okay, okay. Yeah. Oh, he's excited. I would like to see more of her. Dust off your copy. You'll see a lot more. <laughs> I've actually never played You'll it. see a lot more in almost like the first two hours. You'll see a lot of her. Trust Shit. me. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. Different, obviously, different voice actor, different look, mm-hmm. um, but still Yennefer. Okay. Oh, yes. I like her character arc a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't know. As somebody who's only known The Witcher from the show at this point. Yeah, The Witcher 3 might be interesting because it's very like late stage in their lives mm-hmm. of like what's going on and things they've done. And they reference some things that are similar to the show, but it's very much like distant at that at that point. 3 is a very unique entity, but you could still play it by itself. A lot of people have. I considered starting it um, the other day, but I'm just like, I don't know if I can justify it. We have so many games on the horizon. Like Neo 2 came out yesterday. Uh, yeah. Uh, Doom comes out in like two weeks. Yeah. Final I had... Fantasy 7, Resident Evil 3. So I'm just like, I don't know if I could start The Witcher 3. Me neither. I've been enjoying World yeah. War Z so much and I'm just like, I don't know if I would have time for Neo 2 mm-hmm. this weekend. Like maybe, maybe eventually, but mm-hmm. at the same time, by the time I, like if I wait a week, it's like, oh shit, Doom's here and I'm going to definitely want to play that instead. So yeah, we, we talk about just getting really good about, uh, really good at World War Z in the meantime, because yeah. we just want to master it. Yeah, it's got real fucking solid at that stuff, man. I already feel pretty solid at feel it. Feel pretty man. solid? I'm, I'm polishing off trophy always, after trophy. Oh, he's really confident over uh, here. Dude, I feel good. We I think we could do something on insane mode. I think we could do something special. Yeah. We're going to get the gaming family together tonight for a four-player co-op fest. We got Dave, we got Chelsea, we got Daniel, we got Kevin. We're going to be doing the gaming fam. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was real good. <laughs> Shout out to Chelsea, who mocked up an image of us, uh as a promotional tweet or thing for this stream where our faces are just imposed on characters from the game. Yes. It's super ridiculous. It's so fucking funny. So I'm, it's I'm actually, fucking funny. I'm really hyped on that game. I'm hyped to play more. Um, yeah. Fuck. Do you, do you want to land this one, dude? You want to, you want to oh, take shit. it home? So I guess it's get... time to land this one. All yeah. right. Well guys, thank you for listening to the save room show. You, uh, are much appreciated. I know these are some scary times, but we're going to keep on doing our thing and hopefully taking your mind off of bullshit or even though we pretty much talked about it pretty hard. <laughs> we were, we're in the epicenter, you know, we were already a work from home studio. Cause like, you know, we're, we're the save room. We work out of our bedroom. So like you're going to get the man. same volume of content and shit's going to keep happening. Listen guys, we do our best work in our bedrooms. That's so. true. That's how you get this, huh? Mm. Now you get this slightly sticky product. Uh, <laughs> I Clorox the sheets. Don't worry. Smelling something else, but we don't have to talk about that on nope, there. Don't. <laughs> anyway, guys, if you wanted to catch us on Twitter, please mention us at Save Room Show. Just be like, hey, these guys are okay. Mm-hmm. And that'll make our day. Uh, otherwise, like we said, we're on SoundCloud. We're on fucking Spotify. We're on iTunes. We're on everywhere. Find us on Twitch. And that's well, that's it. That's, that's, that's it. That's really it, man. I, mean, I guess I got to say goodbye. Yeah. It's kind of hard. I mean, I don't want to say goodbye either, but I kind of have Stockholm syndrome at this point. Like, hmm? I feel like I, I got to stay on the mic. I got to keep doing it. God, he's got the crazy eyes. He looks like Henry Cavill right now with his crazy eyes. Yes. Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> no, that's a nightman. <laughs>
All right, guys. Have a great night. I hope you guys uh, keep safe, by the yeah. way. Please, Wash your hands. Please be safe. Be smart out there. Um, the times are very trying and scary, and they're mm-hmm. only going to get worse until they get better. But just don't be dumb. Don't be dumb. Take don't care of your dumb. neighbor. Take care of people who aren't able at this time, and, and just be well. You know, It's a very good time to practice empathy. Mm-hmm. Get good at it, all right? Get good at empathy. Yeah, get all good. Right. <laughs> get good. Guy. Guy. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>